0: It's your boy Crypto Blood and welcome to another kicking it session today. I got my man Grayson Ludo. Sounds like a rapper, Italian rapper or something. <laughs> my man, how you doing, man? I, I met Grayson uh, on Twitter. Uh, I think he follows me on uh, on YouTube as well, right? Yeah. Um, but cool cat, he reached out to me. He saw I was Twitter beefing with uh, JSnip4 and uh he's like yo uh let me come on i want to talk to you about this this and that i'm like hey i anyone anyone that wants to come on have a conversation i'm game and uh we we got him on today guys so we're going to be talking about a few different things not just crypto garrison is in the automotive industry more on the sales side um and we're going to get all into that, man. I'm a car guy myself. I was just racing a Hellcat the other night <laughs> on, <laughs> on uh, I won't say what road. But uh, yeah, man, let, let's get right into it, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, Grayson, uh, where you come from, um, what so, led you to crypto, all that good stuff. And we'll get into the automotive, too.
1: So, you know, um, originally, uh, family comes from, from Hazard, Kentucky, uh, Eastern Kentucky, with some, with some uh, very humble coal miners. Um, I was born in in the Chicago area, about a, about an hour north of Chicago, Lake County. Um, for my about my first twelve summers, though, I spent down in the mountains. So, I, so I do have a, a pretty good hillbilly background, if you will. There. Okay. But it, it's kind of funny when I when I come across people and they hear me talk they're like, "Man, uh, for 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 a white guy, even though I'm Native American, uh, you know they uh they they talk about my my uh, my uh, ebonics, if you will." And I,
0: you wait 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 wait, you're Native American?
1: Yes, sir. Oh yeah, my
0: yeah. God, <laughs> and listen, don't do this. Ain't no Elizabeth Warren stuff we got going on. No, you, you, no. You're not like 0.0001% Native American, are you? No, Come on now. No, no,
1: no, I'm actually up in the 40%. Uh, my family's part of the Southeast Kentucky Shawnee. Uh, my uncle Harlan, he, he's a uh, head of the Eagle clan. But, um, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have some official stuff. We're legit. That's what's up, bro.
0: That's what's up.
1: I'm not here. Here, we ain't getting reparations from the government. I'm not (laughs) here, it might help me with some college. That's about it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, no, I don't run around no Pocahontas and no shit like that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't mess with Elizabeth Warren at all, man. yeah, but I I look I look people always confuse me for being Italian or Greek, especially
0: Yeah, I thought you were Italian, man
1: not at all. And, uh, anyway, uh, you know, uh, my mom, and my grandmother moved up to, to Chicago, uh, area. Um, when my mom was about 14, my mom had me fairly young. Uh, she came up here when she was 12, she had me at 14. And, uh, from there, you know, I, I you know, um, had a little bit of a rough upbringing, you know. I lived off the state, lived in uh, lived in some projects. Believe it or not, um, a lot of people wouldn't realize that about my past. But uh, since then, man, you have know, had some some very, really awesome life changing opportunities. Uh, right out of high school, I went to the Navy. Um, I had a I had a very good career there. Uh, I had an unfortunate death in the family, in which I, I got an administrative separation. Uh, my my father uh, owned a body shop, and uh, you know he had a, a lot of his business came from from. Uh, uh, new car lots, used car lots, mm-hmm. you know, lot of damage, things of that nature. My dad's best friend at the time was a gentleman by the name of Jerome Witt, who was running a Chevy store um, out here in Fox Lake, Illinois. Um, so after I got discharged out of the military, Um, you know, I I went and I I tried to sell cars and, uh, you know, it kind of worked out for me. Um, just having the gift of gab growing up in the streets and the neighborhood, um, it made things a little bit easier on me. And my career kind of took off, Uh, um, from 97 to about 1999, I sold cars in 1999, um, I went over to Grocery in Chevy in Palatine, Illinois, uh, with another group of managers, and I got into sales management, and we took that dealership from 98 cars a month to 503 cars a month and made it the number one improved uh, Chevy store in the Midwest. Um, December of 2005, we were the number one store in the Midwest for all of Chevy new car and truck sales. Um, from there, um, I, I uh, kind of went out on my own and, and was used car director, uh, used car manager for a Chrysler Pontiac store uh, for several years. And then uh, in May of uh, 2007, um, I, uh, I uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't know about this about me, crypto, but uh, I became a professional mixed martial artist. And okay, then I- cool. Yeah, and then I fought full time under uh, out of out of my main gym was Midwest Training Center. Big names that have come out of there, the biggest has been Clay Guida before he uh, went over to Greg Jackson's. I grew up with his older brother, so it's not no okay stuff with me I've known a lot of these guys for a while so I, I fought professionally had a really good career unfortunately uh, had some injuries my hands two-thirds titanium now because of it and, yeah, I had a ACL surgery and things of that nature so in 2013-14 I was supposed to have a title fight for the American Predator Fight Championship here in the Midwest and um, what was that I was supposed to fight March 9th I believe it was in February 24th I ruptured all the cartilage in my right knee and had my fourth surgery in five years wow. and At that point, I thought it was time to grow up and get a real job and go back to work. Uh, Luckily, because of what I accomplished in the the auto industry as a manager, and I had some really good contacts, um, I went right back to work in management in 2013 as a uh, subprime finance manager, running a subprime department um, at uh, Ray Chevy in Fox Lake, Illinois. Uh, We increased an additional 80 80, uh, units a month and with some some really amazing profit, running about $3,700 a car. Uh, So things were really good. And then, uh, you know, from there, Uh, um i went so tell me
0: how you uh what did you before we circle back into that whole subprime automotive what got you intrigued with cryptos and who really introduced you to that whole industry that Uh, whole game
1: yeah so back in uh, about 2012 um you know I i was still fighting at the time or 2012 i was still fighting at the time and um You know, to supplement my income, I own two construction companies uh, doing um, storm mitigation, things of that nature. Nothing special, you know. And um, what do you call it? Uh, I was supposed to fight that March going into 2013 for my title fight. In February, um, I tore out of the cartilage in my knee and had to have surgery. So at that time, I ended up being a stay-at-home dad uh, Mm -hmm. for the year of 2012. And to be honest with you, I didn't understand the gratification and how big it was for my son. And what it would do for him and for me as a parent relationship, but at the time, you know, because I've always been an earner, it was driving me nuts. So I I started spending a lot of time on YouTube, just searching for information, mm-hmm. and that's actually when I had my big wake up about the government, federal yep. research. And, and you know during that time, you know, because that downtime, I, I used it to to continue education, and that's actually where I stumbled across Jay Smith for. Um, some of the stuff that he talked about at the time with the government and,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, then, the,
1: and then that's how I got introduced to the Webbot report and cliff high yep. and that, and that's where the cryptos came in and, um, you know, back in 2012, I had about 10 grand I wanted to spend on, um, Bitcoin and Litecoin. And at the time I had met a mentor, um, that was trading on wall street. Well, actually but prior to 2008, he had 25 guys trading for him downtown, mm-hmm. um, at the Chicago Board of Exchange, mm-hmm. he became a mentor of mine and he actually talked me out of buying the Bitcoin and the mm-hmm. Litecoin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's still been kicking himself in the ass since then. But uh, shortly after that, I started trading cryptocurrencies um, and just, you know, it was kind of tough with being in the automotive industry and working at these high volume dealerships. Literally, blood. I get up at eight o'clock or uh, six o'clock in the morning, be at the dealership at eight thirty in the morning. And most of the time, I did not leave the dealership between 11 30 or 12 30 at night. I generally have about a 45 minute to an hour and a half drive, depending on some of the stores that I've worked at. So I'm working 70 hours a week. It made it really hard to keep up with what was going on in the crypto space, as well as follow some of the influencers. So from 2012 to about the middle of 2017, I was just kind of, you know, as a parent going through the motions, focusing on my career. You know, mm-hmm. I had an income well, well over, uh, you know, $200,000. So that was, you know, that was my bread and butter. That was my main point. And then, to be quite honest with you, uh, my wife had fallen sick in, in the beginning of 17. And that mm. had taken a lot of my focus. And um, that's when Jay Snip had his big hit on uh, Veritasio.
0: Yeah. And
1: man, 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 was I kicking myself in the ass. Because, you know, I was pretty faithful watching a lot of these videos in the web bot. And yep. when my wife sick, in between my career, taking off, just exploding, very, being very successful at the stores I was at and what I was achieving. That in my wife's health had my main focus, obviously, with my kids as well. Yep. And um, uh, what do you call it? So I missed the boat there, and I really started to focus on cryptos again, big mm. time, about November of 17. Made some good money from November to January, and then uh, 18, you know, it's been the sell-off. Um, I've basically just been following the institutional money. I got involved in a bit in, in a uh, Bitcoin mining operation. You might be mm-hmm. familiar with called Bit Club, uh, that has actually been amazing. Um, it's been an amazing company. They got a lot of stuff going out, and I, I, I have a lot of money t- uh, invested there. Um, you know, I, I have thirty different mining accounts of my own you know, with the uh, network that I built there.
0: I know Jobby Weeks. I've had him on my show. Yeah, actually.
1: yeah, yeah. Joby, yeah. Joby's pretty cool. He's uh, going to be speaking in Anarchapoco here coming
0: up. Mm-hmm. I'm Are you going out there? Are you going to be able to make it? No.
1: Right now, we have a lot of of stuff going on. Um, You know, um, my biggest thing over the last couple of years, because of my dad's retiring, has been studying wealth and retirement. Now, I've learned how to make money, but generating income is a lot different than generating wealth. And I don't think a lot of people understand the difference there. And so, for the last six months of my life, I have been really just uh, doing the best I can to educate myself. Mm -hmm. on generating wealth, uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to find a couple of mentors. You know, one of the guys, Ricardo Ferrari. Uh, he, you know, he's part of Big Club. He's been network marketing for about 28 years, and at one point, he had over 853,000 salesmen under him at one of the companies. He's a multi-million dollar earner, uh, marketing million dollar earner, and uh, you know, he's been mentoring me and teaching me a lot. And I've been very fortunate to have him and and a couple other people, some guys that are in the car business and and uh, that are doing better than I am, of course. And, uh, you know, so I've been really focused on that. And uh, as part of, uh, of what we're doing, we have a, uh, we hooked up with a company that does no collateral, no recourse loans. And I myself am in the process of doing some funding because, as you know, you know, you learn from Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump, Grant Cardone, you know, some of the top mentors in the world. And you find out that these guys have leveraged themselves into millions by using their credit score and what I mean mm-hmm. by them is by utilizing debt to go into real estate or other that's
0: right that's that's robert kiyosaki's big big selling point that's what he tries to drive home all the time is that debt is actually good utilized in the right way not to go buy uh bling bling or uh you know a tv but mm
1: -hmm. well well, you know you think about it you know there's three types of income earners in in the world today you know you have your, your your low echelon your middle class and your upper class and it's all it's all the way they spend stuff you know your low income earners sure they're making 40 50 grand a year but when you walk into their house, they have stuff. They have all the stuff in the world. Playstations, Xbox, big TVs, smart TVs, iPhones, all the shoes, Jordans, you name it. We got those people. We grew up in those neighborhoods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then you, have, then you have where we're at right now. And people like us, and I'm learning about this, you know, we want to buy motorcycles and, and side-by-sides and firearms or jet skis mm-hmm. or, or, or crotch rockets or, you know, a Hellcat Things that cost money that continue to have expenditures to maintain them, you know, right,
0: and depreciate.
1: Exactly, and you know. Here, I had a a family member drop one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars on a swimming pool. Beautiful, badass. It only gives him, you know, another twenty percent to his house. That that's not a really good Mm -hmm. ROI at Mm -hmm. all.
0: You know, Mm sure, it
1: it, it feels good. It's nice to go sit in the swimming pool with relatives, but the return on his money is shit.
0: Right. Right. I like what Grant Cardone said, man, and this really stuck with me, man. He was like, you know, uh, live where you rent and own where, you, you know, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but essentially uh, live where you rent and, and own. own what you rent. Yes. Or
1: it, it, Yeah, 100% correct. Yeah. yeah. Like, like right now, okay, um, I have a lot of, I got some money coming in from some funding that I'm getting ready to do. Um, in the next 60 days, I'll have a passive income of about $80,000, uh, 60000 about $8,000 a month, so about $72,000 a year while I'm sleeping. Uh, that's, that's just with the two different investment vehicles, not including my trading or anything else I do. And now think about that. If I wanna go, you know, I have family in Florida, I have family in Vegas, uh, there's other hubs where you can go and make money, right? Um, you know, I'm hooked up with Ken Bozak, and I'm going to be going out to Philadelphia with some meetups and throw some stuff out with him as far as some Bitcoin things as well. And now, if I if I'm tied to my house, right, and I have my mortgage, I'm responsible for that. I'm committed to that. I had to put you know, 20% down, I got to fix the water heater, the washer, the dryer, you know, the humidifier leaks, all these things, right? I'm responsible for that. I'm tied to that. If I want to go and spend time in Florida by my sister or down in Vegas by one of my brothers and try to grow more business, do some more network marketing, it makes it really hard because I am completely obligated to my house. Now, Once I rent this out, which I plan on doing in the next six to 12 months, and then renting where I live, I do a six-month lease. I can get up and leave whenever I want. Sure, my overhead, I'm I'm spending a little bit more money than I want to, but I don't got to worry about the water heater. I ain't got to worry about the roof. I ain't got to worry about the garbage disposal. And when I want to pick up and leave, I Mm can't. And and that that gives me, and that's the one thing that we focus on and that guys like us are, are, are learning more about is the commodity of time.
0: That's right.
1: Cardone had a video the other day, and he's talking about, you know, how you get four hours worth of shit done in a half an hour. You delegate. You have people do it for you. You know, and that gives you the time. And, and, you know, when you're trading your time for a paycheck, for a career, for an income, for what people consider to be their passion, they don't become rich. You know, 96% of people cannot retire, you know, because of that. And when you're able to delegate or when, you know, just recently, let me back up. You know, Grant Cardone, you know, he has a lot of stuff about white space on your calendar. If you have blank spaces on your calendar, you know, that that's a negative thing in, in some areas because you want to stay busy, right? Now, just recently, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett had a little bit video of why having your calendar full is actually stupid. And I sat back and I listened to it because that's directly everything different that I've learned from Grant Cardone and some of the other guys. And when I listened to what Warren Buffett had to say, you know, it, it wasn't an aha moment. I already knew it. I just didn't have it in the forefront of my mind, right? And what I mean by that is, so here, if I'm in the car business, right, and I'm working 15 hour days, I don't have no time to study cryptos. I don't have no time to have wealth education. I don't have no time to meet, find, and talk to mentors, right? I uh, unfortunately, because of my wife's illness, you know, I had to quit my job. Say July, you know, I was making a little over 200 a year. You know, I'm used to making three to $5,000 a week. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Now at, the same, at the same token, what I've been able to learn and get involved in BitClub and the time I've spent with Ricardo Ferrari and learned about Facebook marketing and being able to get into this joint venture agreement that I'm getting into, had I continued to be working, sure, my income was great, but now I'm positioning myself. To where in the next three to five years I'm going to make two to ten million dollars.
0: So the thing is, what you're what you're doing, Grayson, is you're breaking the time for money paradigm, yes. and that's what many um, middle class people don't understand. And so, you know, um, I'm in tech, right? I've had two tech startups myself, and just seeing how how fast these guys scale up and are able to generate money. Whether it's a SaaS model, it it's, it just allows you to break that time for money paradigm, and I think uh, that's the key to real wealth nowadays. In this in this type of economy that we're in, this digital economy, global economy, if you can break that time for money paradigm where you, as a person, you don't have to be at that dealership managing those individuals. You can be at home. You can be taking care of your of your wife, your your uh, kids, or Whatever the think, whatever that is that you need to do and still make money, that's where you you're able to really grow your business and take it to the next level.
1: Oh no, hundred percent. And and here, man, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. You know, I grew up a little bit rough. Um, I lived off the state. Um, you know, uh, things things weren't good in my childhood, and uh, luckily I was a, I was a decent athlete and I had a coach. Uh, me, and a, me and a friend of mine were talking about it. Uh, His name was Mr. McAvoy. I think it was either my seventh or eighth grade gym teacher. He was one of my basketball coaches. And, uh, you know, he knew I was poor. You know, I had to wear my mom's clothes to school at times. Things were a little rough. And I remember one day before a basketball game, we were playing against a big team. And he looked at me and he was like, look, man, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, man. When you put your uniform on, you're just like everybody else. Nobody knows where you come from. And now think about that with money, man. Everybody could do the things that I've done or what you do. You know, it's, you know, you go to work every day, you have a nine to five, you're making your, you know, 70 to 90 grand a year, you know, you're maybe to save 10, 15 grand, you have a, new, you know, a mutual fund, some 401k. Sure, you feel like you're doing something, but you're not going to retire, you're not going to have anything for retirement. And what these mentors teach you is to find a way to generate a passive income when you're sleeping. And and continue to work on that passive income till it meets your, or exceeds your income. Once it meets or exceeds your income, now you have net operating costs that you can take that money and put it to work and let it grow for you. And if you do that and, and you take the time to research it, and like Gary V, you know he has a, a really awesome video. I think it's called like Six Minutes for Sixty Years of Your Life, and he talks about a lot of people that are you know in their forties or fifties, the kids get out of the house and they go buy the convertible. You know, you take 50 grand and, and you go buy a convertible. Well, Robert Kiyosaki would, uh, would tell you, you know, take that 50 grand, stick it into an investment vehicle that's going to pay off your car in three years. And then you still have the asset that's that's giving you an income. You know, so,
0: you know, the, the the one thing I want to say that I, I like what you said just a minute ago is that you were listening to uh, Warren Buffett and it, it, his idea of the calendar being empty, conflicted with, you um, your boys yeah grant cardones but that's what i like and this is what is key that i think people should understand you should not just rely on one person for all the answers you you're going to be able to grab from grant cardone grab from gary v you know grab from a warren buffett and and apply some of those principles in your own life to make up what is successful for you And so that's key. I think people kind of miss that. They like follow Robert Kiyosaki and only what he says is right. And and that's it. He's wrong sometimes as well. But you can take things from Robert Kiyosaki, things from Warren Buffett, Grant Cardone and and really build something nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. You know, a a lot of people are, are, you know, I, I posted a meme not too long ago. I forget what it said. Something to the effect of. You know, we're we're in a world of information, but we're starving for wisdom. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the app that's the application of information. Exactly.
1: And that's exactly where I was yeah. going with it. Yeah. You know, but you know, I've never been the smartest guy in the world, man. Um, mm-hmm. um, I've I've done a lot of dumb shit to tell you the truth. You know, um I, I and, but I've done things that make me look smart. And what what was that? It's execution, it's the, it's the way that I've been able to apply what I've learned and instantly put it to work. And that's kind of what has separated me, I think, from some of the guys I grew up with. I grew up with a lot of guys in the streets. You know, we grew up uh, a a, a little bit rough, euphemistically speaking. And I've completely outgrown most of my relationships. I think I have maybe four people that I talked to that I knew prior, you know, to high school. And that's because they've all grown as well. And, And that's exactly it is the application of the knowledge of what you learn. And most people are just paralyzed by fear. You know, nobody wants to get, you know, uncomfortable, you know, growing up in the streets, man, man, man. I can tell you stories. Guys were doing things that were risking their freedom, taking so many chances, living on the edge. And then when we become adults, when it comes time to invest or time to, to commit to to a strategy, you know, I've talked to a few people about investing in big club, you know, uh, and that it's a long term retirement plan. And, you know, you got guys that will spend three grand on a vacation, but they won't spend three grand on a mining machine. It doesn't make sense. I haven't had a vacation in five years because I want to retire in the next three.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I guess my thing is everyone won't get it. I understand that. But at least you put it out there and you hope that people, some person, you plant the seed, someone will grab onto it and and it'll grow from there. Um, I do. We were talking about Robert Kiyosaki and I brought up on the screen here the four business quadrants. Or the four quadrants, and um, this is something I live by right here, <laughs> man. And I'm, you know, and and I'm really working with my family uh, to get them understanding this whole paradigm here, from going from an employee to being self-employed to being a business owner, and ultimately, you want to be a business owner and an investor. That's where we all should uh, strive to be. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> go ahead.
1: No, I was saying, and you're, you're you're right, you know, and I talk to a lot of people, so I've had, you know, a lot of people, you know, that want to be self-employed, and I'd love to talk about that for a second. You know, I have a, a good friend of mine, Matt DeVicas, uh, who does very, very well for himself in the auto industry. Um, they're into real estate and a few other different business ventures, and, and he's kind of a mentor of mine. We talk once in a while, and, you know, um, we've talked about people that have left the car business to go open up a restaurant or to go go chase their dreams, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I encourage you to. But something that I've learned from Grant Cardone is that when you go to open up a business and and say it's a retail sales, you're going to sell pizzas or you're dealing with the public, you'll say, okay, if I can generate X amount of dollars per month, I'll have this income, I'll have this lifestyle. But what we don't learn is how many people do I have to talk to to get to X? How How many phone calls do I have to make? to be able to sell 10 of this. What's the ratio? Really, you're going to have to talk to 100 people to to sell 10 items when you're starting off with a new business. And a lot of people don't take into consideration how much work. you You go open up a pizza place and you wanted to own your own business so that way you can get away from the corporate world okay well that happens sometimes and now you're working 10 12 hours a day to make a a hundred grand a year now you're right back you're not seeing your family and you can't afford to hire somebody with the with the increased cost of health care taxes and all these different things so now you got to run your own business full time
0: right and you're stuck in that s you're stuck as a self employed individual which is uh in many cases can be worse than just working for someone because you know what i mean like
1: My, my dad's owned a body shop forever, and my dad's had amazing cash flow uh, because there's a lot of cash business, buying and flipping cars and things of that nature, right? Um, you know, my dad, because he owned his own business, he, you know, and, and he's from the old school, right, where I don't think like this, but my dad's like, you know, I'm not going to have a pension, I'm not going to have a retirement. My dad's been thinking, is if he doesn't sell his building for X amount of dollars to put X amount of money into an annuity... So that way he could get you know 70 50 to seventy thousand dollars annually while he's retired, which is awesome. It's a great idea for him. But right now we have forty two. The last thing I'm thinking about is a pension or a social security because yeah, that like,
0: ain't happening. They're,
1: they're gonna cut it. You know what I
0: yeah. mean?
1: Yeah. You know. So, so that's where you got to generate your real dollars. And, you know, going back to the business owner, owner mind state, right? You could be a business owner and an employer, right? But now as that business owner, you have to find a way to have a passive income to make money while you're sleeping so you can get to that investment side. Now, if you're an employer uh, and you're self-employed and you're an investor, over time, that investment can grow to the point where you could be a business owner and not be self-employed meaning now you have enough income coming in as the investor through passively that your self-employed business isn't your sole, sole stream of income. Now you can hire a couple people to go and run that business. Now you're a business owner. Now this Now you have the commodity of time to go find other things that you're passionate about to invest in.
0: Ah, you said it there. Commodity of time. And time, people, is the most valuable thing we have as humans on this earth. So uh, that's what I try to focus on, man. How can I do things in a way where I have the more commodity, more time, more time, more time? That's the most valuable thing. We can't get any of it back. It only uh, it only spins out. So I'm with you with that, man. I've always looked at trying to do businesses where I can still keep time on my side to be able to do other things do research learn more if you're tied down to one thing and that's taking up your whole everyone's got 24 hours you know we got we got the same 24. it's just how you you decide to spend it so um i'm I'm with you on that bro
1: buddy it it, it, is so true man you know i i there's been times where i've i you know in, in 2013 when i went back to work right um you know I had been off uh, out of the out, uh, car business for about seven years. And I was surprised when I, when I made a phone call to one of my mentors and said, Hey, I want to get back to work. They, they put me right back in management, which, which I thought that was pretty awesome. I went back and I worked 90 days, 10 hour days without taking a day off to get that up and running that fourth month. I made $17,000. So yeah, you got to put that time in, but now at the same token, right? I've worked so frantically that I now realize that if I don't take time to, to have some hours to myself to do nothing, and I don't necessarily mean nothing, but put my day into perspective, to plot my goals, to take short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals, if you stay so busy, your calendar is so full that you don't have the time to focus, to put these things into perspective, to do your to-do list, to do your daily priorities, to remap your life every 90 days and see where you're going, it, it makes it really, really hard to get anywhere. And when you're focused on, you know, like here, I, I live up in what we call the Chain of Lakes area, right? There's a, there's On the water, there's million-dollar homes two blocks off the water in Section 8. It's crazy, right? Mm. And you have a lot of people that have two, three, four hundred thousand-dollar boats. You know, you go out on the, on the boat for a weekend, it's $200 in gas. Man, I go out on the chain probably twice a month. I have a, a couple of buddies that have boats, doctor friends of mine, we go hang out. Now, and when I'm out there, I always go and I see the same people that are out there every weekend, you know, Facebook pictures and things of that nature. And here, man, if you're in the middle class and you're self employed and you got a good income, but you're buying a, a $150,000 boat, you are not going to be rich, man. You got to find that money and put it to work and let it grow for you. Take a couple, take time back, take some time off of having the fun, take some time off of, of having a vacation and put some money to work so that way it can be greater later when you hit 50, 60, 70 years old. And, and unfortunately, I just
0: heard, my wife just told me that um, she told me this last night. She said that the baby boomers are now projected to live to like 100 and in, uh, in their hundreds or something. It's something crazy. And I said, I said, man, that's a damn shame. <laughs> because what the, what that means is most of them will run out of money buddy
1: a hundred percent so you look at your, your 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 top financial retirement people they're going to tell you aarp is going to say you need 1.5 million dollars in retirement she man ain't I'm gonna, call, that ain't
0: gonna work bro
1: oh, i'm gonna call five ball let's say right now if you're 20 years old and you saved $100,000 a year for 30 years, you got $3 million, right?
0: And we know, that, hey, we know, ain't no 20-year-old gonna be able to save $100,000. <laughs> right? Now, but in a, in a perfect world, right? Right, in a perfect world.
1: You got about $2 million. And then with, with the way they, they uh, print U.S. dollars with fiat currency.
0: Ah, it, now you're it, talking.
1: You see what I mean? Here, in, in, here, just look at Bitcoin, right? Where Bitcoin's current price is today, right now, from january of 2012 it's roughly a 96 000 return on your money mm-hmm. right now in that same time if you had a million dollars in the bank you lost about 14 percent of your value hundred and forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars in buying power just because of manipulation of fiat currency
0: there you go absolutely you
1: know that's a, that's a loser's game
0: yeah man and so you know you kind of bring up the whole crypto thing i, I think that uh cryptocurrencies and I, did, I said this in a video I did the other day it's a new asset class that has no correlation with the current systems that we we're, we're uh, accustomed to your your stocks your bonds your real estate it's no correlation which is good because when things hit the fan you're gonna see a lot of capital flow into this new asset class that has no correlation
1: here's what I try to talk to people about blood Real simple, man, I, I'm a math guy. I, I, I don't care about the FUD, the FOMO, you know, the news does drive things, but I'm a math guy. Short-term,
0: it does short-term, but not long-term. FOMO can, you know, the yeah. FUD can yeah. only do so much.
1: Exactly, and I, you know, I'm a people person. You know, I've made my bread and butter in my career in the automobile industry. You know, you, you want, as a salesman, I get maybe one or two hours with you to try to get you to buy a vehicle. As a finance manager, when you walk in the finance office i got 10 minutes to sell you a warranty real tire make money on the interest rate and anything else i could do the profit center in a dealership is the finance department that's where all the profits at for those of you that, that and we'll get to that later i'm sure in a few but wow shit, i forgot where my point was going with this crypto what were we just talking about here very fart.
0: uh i mean we were just talking about like the inflation and, and bitcoin and cryptos and how you know it it's going to hedge you against that uh, with this new asset class. I don't know yeah. if that trigger anything.
1: Yeah. That happens sometimes. I'm a little bit punchy. I've been punching the face a lot as a professional fighter. <laughs> it's really. all good. No, it's it all happens, good. It happens to me from time to time. I got a little uh, traumatic brain injury, I
0: think. A little CTE. Got a little CTE going on there.
1: Yeah, and it could be the Nuggets from time to time. You know,
0: might get me the worst in a while. Oh, like, man. With Bozak, you know. right right <laughs> so so yeah man i mean you know uh, it, go ahead
1: no no go ahead i'm sorry
0: yeah so i mean yeah it's, it's it's good that we're talking and guys let's just let you guys know this is all off the cuff this is freestyle I. this is uh just just me and uh grayson talking man he hit me up and you know we we said uh definitely let's link up and do some things and here we go. We're having a great conversation here. Well,
1: well, I know a big basis of what we were going to talk about, too, was, was a little bit about the automobile industry.
0: Yes, I wanted to get into yeah. that. So tell me about what do you see on the ground level right now? My concern right now is subprime market, whether it's in real estate or even automotive. Like, what are you you're close to that? What are you seeing? Is it is it starting to un- like crash? Is it here, starting to crumble?
1: Here, here, certain areas of the country is, are going to be affected more than others. And and what I mean by that, so say your Chicago market. Chicago, uh, uh, the Chicago market for the Midwest, for the auto industry, is the toughest, most competitive there is. The guys you know, here like finance department, your average uh, per copy, uh, which is your profit per vehicle sold is roughly $900, $1,100. In Chicago, you got to average $1,200 to get a job. And if you ain't running fourteen dollars to $1,700, you ain't going to keep the job long. Okay. So anywhere in the, in the rest of the country, you're going to start seeing it first. So up here where I'm at, I don't see it as much. But now some of the high volume stores have fallen off profits are nowhere near what they used to be on the front end of a vehicle ever since 2008 a lot of it is a race to the bottom with advertising specifically in the chicago area a lot of people come i've had people come up from north carolina detroit iowa indiana ohio to buy cars in chicago because yeah we yeah
0: yeah we come up i'm in the d we come up there to to shy town all the time to get cars absolutely
1: Yeah, that's because what we own, I'm used to high volume stores. I've never worked in a store that sold less than 300 cars a month. Got gotcha. you. Um, and that's and for me. That's just where the money is. But that's also where the, the shenanigans are. You know, you can't take a dealership from 100 cars a month to 500 cars a month in a few years without without stepping on toes and breaking laws. It just got you. Yeah, you know, as kids. You know, we did a lot of kinky advertising, but we didn't know we were doing that. You know, one summer we got fined $90,000 over the course of three months for advertising, but we didn't know what we were doing. And the guy we were working for didn't care when he got a lawsuit, Gary Grossinger, and they're, they're completely out of the auto industry now. Their family had such a bad name, they had to sell out. But Gary Grossinger was the type of owner, in my personal opinion, uh, when he got a lawsuit, he was like, yeah, I got something to fight on. Yeah, I got something to work on, with it. you
0: know? Oh, wow. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's some people that are just like that. And those guys are real estate models. The, the auto industry was just something to play with for them, you know. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of families that are like that. The Napletons, you know, the Napletons own, you know, I think 37 dealerships across the country, but their big money is in real estate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the big thing in the car business really, you know, here, with the way the economy's is coming, and with I believe smart contracts, um, it's going to change a lot. Right now, you have a lot of a lot of issues um, in the auto industry, and, I, and I'll tell you kind of kind of what's going on. And It's more on the financing aspect than the sales side, right? So when it comes to subprime, right? Uh, people want to buy a car, and the car has uh, what's called a wholesale value or a bookout value, right? So let's say you're buying uh, like a Chevy Malibu. And it's pretty base. It's a, it's an lt one. It doesn't have no, it's got power locks, windows, no sunroof. Now you come in and you're you're a 600 credit score with no money down, and you have a little bit of you know maybe you make thirty forty thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a year, just enough to be able to get a car loan, right? So you're going to get a high a high interest rate. But what'll happen is the dealerships do stuff like this and 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 and. The customers have no ideal. They're completely uh, complacent in this. So uh, what, what'll happen, a desk manager or a finance manager will submit that, that deal structure to a bank. And what they'll do is they'll add options to that vehicle, navigation, rims and tires, a sunroof. Now that vehicle's worth more money to the bank so that dealership can ask for a bigger selling price. You follow me?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what
1: ends up happening is when that person defaults on that loan, when the the finance company repossesses the vehicle, they go and They're like, "Okay, where's the sunroof? Where's the navigation?" And right now, Capital One and Santander um, are, are. I think uh, Capital One is going is getting six hundred thousand dollars from one dealership in uh, somewhere in St. Louis, I think, or around uh, Missouri. Last time I read, just because what they call that is power booking cars, you're 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 making the car have a greater value than it really has. Mm. So, so that's a lot of stuff you see. Another yeah, thing that you see especially with the subprime with the subprime auto industry and the customers, a lot of them are complacent in this. You, you know, so you come and you're you're you know, you've had, I don't know, let's say you're a, a six twenty credit score and you make twenty thousand dollars a year at McDonald's or Starbucks and you know, you're trying to get a vehicle. Well, you know, if if, if let's say you're like not a six twenty, but let's say that you're about, you know, like a six fifty or six sixty, you're right on the cusp. Right. So what a lot of consumers don't realize is that when sales managers or finance managers are submitting a deal structure to the bank, it's all based off of an algorithm. There's no physical buyer on the other side that's clicking that button. Right. So if I have enough experience and, and this is some of the things that happen and I try to do the best I can to stay away from this because of the way I grew up and, and some personal reasons. But I'd say about 95 percent of all subprime buyers get a payment increase at the desk. And what I mean by that is it says that you you're a server at McDonald's and you make 20 grand a year. Well all of a sudden you just got submitted as the manager of McDonald's making $55,000 a year. Now your debt to income ratio and your payment to income ratio are right in line with the bank's guidelines. We submit you like that and the bank approves it automatically. And they don't step for any type of proof of income or any type of proof of residence, you know, or any of that type of stuff. So we just put you in the car and you go down the road.
0: Stated income, right? You do stated income. And
1: and and that's a fraudulent loan. If that consumer defaults on the loan, truthfully, the auto dealership is the one that set the fraudulent loan up. But here's what happens. The the consumer does a handwritten contract. And then, you know, the the, the dealership does an automated contract and the consumer doesn't pay attention. They walk in the office, the finance manager puts papers in front of it. And I'm telling you, the consumers don't read shit, bro. They don't read nothing. And I'm glad they don't because it would take way too much time to read everything, to be honest with
0: you. Yeah.
1: You know, and now now the same token, I've had doctors and I've had lawyers. I've had accountants. I've had engineers. I've had judges in my office and I, they don't read a damn thing. And I ask mm-hmm. them, how can you not read and shit? Because in the state of Illinois, the attorney general hates car dealerships. And, and then mm-hmm. they just say, you know, I don't have to hire anybody to sue. you. I can do it myself.
0: Wow. Wow. But yeah, so I mean, what do you think about what do you think about your, now? That's kind of on the finance side of things with these dealerships. I'm looking, you know, I'm a tech guy, so I'm looking at how the, the it's flattening as far as the access to a car consumer to car sales relationship is flattening meaning i don't need a dealership anymore you've got these new companies coming out that you you buy a car right on your phone or on your laptop and they drop it right to you yeah what do you think how do you think that's going to affect car dealerships going forward with the whole tesla model basically i
1: I don't think it will i don't think it's really going to affect it very much at all and and i'll give you my reasons if if it was going to hurt the auto industry at all um i think um uh, what's the name of it? Uh, CarMax. CarMax. Yeah,
0: CarMax. So mm-hmm. now people
1: don't know this. Uh, last year, I think it was no 2017. CarMax made 13.88 percent per quarter on average, and every other major auto industry was either two percent or less or lost money. So CarMax is the most profitable auto group in the auto industry. Period. Uh, mm-hmm. That's because they own their they own their cars, they own their finance companies, they own their warranties, and they don't have any overhead, and they don't they don't have any real sales. When you go there, the price you see is the price you get. There's no negotiating. Okay. So that's that's one thing. Okay. And, and CarMax has never been successful. They've never been a high volume dealer. Why? Because they are missing the personal relationship. I don't care about Carvana. I don't, you know. Yeah,
0: Carvana. Out- that's it.
1: Carvana or the other car buying services. I, I can't stand the one. Um, it's, it's the most unprofitable thing in business. I, what the hell is the name of it? That car buying service that everybody uses True Car.
0: True car, um, yeah.
1: That's another one, you know, um, Carvana. Here, why aren't they going to be? Why, why won't those things ever work? While well, one, I want to test drive the car. I want to know. I want that feel good. I want to. Customers want to test drive the vehicle. If they don't test drive a vehicle, they don't get the emotions, it doesn't do nothing. That's a big part of the road to the sale. As a sales manager, I will not give my salesman numbers to negotiate with the customer until they've test driven a vehicle. Now, Gra-
0: company- now Grayson, let me just interject real quick. Cause yeah. you know, this is what we used to say about online shopping, yeah. right?
1: hundred percent.
0: You know, yeah. I got to feel the clothes. I got to see it. I got to see if I even fit it, if it fits me right. Yeah. if I.
1: Yeah. You're, you know, you're right and I agree with but the difference is nobody's ever negotiated for online clothes, you know, unless you <laughs> want to That's true. People want to feel that they've gotten a deal. People want right. to negotiate. That's what human beings do. I mean, look, man, we'll advertise a car as a 2g blower. Customer comes in, we showed them invoice. Yeah, we're losing money. Literally just so you know, yes, the world, the, the auto industry will lose money on the front end of a car. I've seen as much as $4,000. There's a reason for that. We can discuss that in a minute, but they will. And I'll show the invoice I'll, and the customer looks at you. I don't care. I want a better deal. I want to feel like I've got some, you know, I go to, then I'll go across the street to the dealership and, and for $50, you know, I'll buy their car. And literally, that's how petty people are. They, they want to feel like they've gotten a deal. Not only that, right? So you have to negotiate to buy the car. Now, if you have a car buying service, sure, you could go and get your own interest rate from a bank and there's nothing wrong with that. But here's something that I, I'm an industry expert for over 20 years. I'm gonna tell you right now, I would not buy a modern vehicle without a vehicle service contract without an extended warranty. If you do, you're absolutely fucking stupid in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm gonna explain why. One third of the country is covered in snow. We go from a uh, 20 degree polar vortex to 80% humidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the cities are using a product called calcium chloride. It, it's highly corrosive to vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. We are making the electric vehicles. Look at Tesla right now. If you type Tesla and cold weather complaints, you will shit yourself at how many issues they're having. It's because the cars are electrical.
0: Okay, Mm.
1: electronics are not made to sit outside for four, five, six years. They are just not. Mm -hmm. Okay, you 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 take your Chrysler the the U Connect. That's a seven thousand dollars system. Five to seven thousand dollars if it goes out. 90% Ninety percent of people don't have here. Sixty-five percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. If their nav system goes out, they're not replacing it. So what do they do? They're going to take. They're going to be driving.
0: They're going to be riding around like Bird Bird Box movie, <laughs> <laughs> <They do laughs> not being able to see. Money. They're going to be like.
1: But they're going to end up paying for it in the lot when they trade the car. In. They're not getting out of it. They're going to nope. pay for
0: that. Right.
1: So you, you have that aspect of it. Okay. Um, you have all the electronics today. A car has more wiring than any of our, our F1 fighters from the seventies.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you, you start looking at the electronics in the vehicle. You know, you have push button starts. It's about seventeen hundred dollars just to fix that if your push button start goes out. Mm-hmm. Everything on a vehicle is electronic. You know, I, I've had this conversation, and I mean here, I you know, the average finance manager penetration is about fifty five percent in the country. A real good guy is going to sit about sixty two. I've been as high as 69%, up to 71% on a three month run. Um, warranties are a really big deal. They are a profit margin, don't get me wrong. Uh, you do make money there, but you know, I've had people that have walked in my office. I, I can tell you a group of people, the Fishers, uh, really good friends of mine. They were getting screwed over on the front end of the car for about 3,200 bucks they were getting taken advantage of. They didn't know it. Uh, Dean came in my office, ended up being a former Navy. I was Navy as my, myself. Uh, we had a personal conversation. I'm a human being, man. I put my pants on well I at the time, just like everybody else. Um, um, my, good thing. I'm not working for nobody right now, but uh, I have sacrificed me making money to help other people out. Mm. I threw the warrant because they had the profit on the front end of the deal. I threw the warranty for free. And I think the payment went up like five bucks. Mm. So things at times we can do to help people out. If we Absolutely. Not, not everybody's
0: that way. And where, got- but- where are we going? Uh, uh, Grayson with, with the automotive industry. When I mean that, Ride share, ride share. That's that's gonna cut in into demand for for automobiles going forward. I, I see mean, it, man.
1: Well I well, mean, here you look at it this way too, right? So you have uh Chevy is no longer gonna manufacture automobiles, they're only doing SUVs. Yeah. I believe except for the Mustang and I think one other SUV, one other car and, and they're they're going to mostly SUVs. So the the way the world's going, I mean here, I think last year 2017 or 16 was the highest years for automobile sales. Something like 17.5 million last year was 17.1. You're going to steady, see a drop off. You have millennials. So here, are you familiar with UN Agenda 21 by chance?
0: No. Okay. Let, let let the audience know.
1: Um, I it, it, we, That'd be a whole other show. Okay, um,
0: yeah, we'll have to do that on another show. But, We're, I'm but definitely going to have you come back on, bro. Definitely.
1: What to do is, is just Google. And like a YouTube video, UN Agenda 21 for Dummies, all right? But long story short, you notice how we're slowly getting into this private property. um, 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 Community property is bigger than private property is kind of what they're teaching common core in schools today. Mm -hmm. That all all comes from the UN. You know, big, big high-end areas, you're starting to see bike paths coming in. You're starting to see um, these modular communities, um, all these townhouses, the, the society, uh, um, by the powers that be, the deep state, they they don't want us to have personal property. Personal property is the number one thing to obtain freedom. And if you look right now, and the reason I brought this up is because you got to look at the millennial generation. They're not getting married. They're not buying sure cars. Not. Home, don't want to own houses. Nope. They're all living in these inner city hubs where restaurants are open 24 hours a day. They have access to everything. They can walk out of their apartment or, or, or their building and they're downtown and they're in the middle of everything. And they have access to everything within an Uber, you know, within a lift, within a taxi, whatever it may be. So, yes, I agree. The auto industry is going to go down. And, and why you got smart contracts coming out. Mm-hmm. And when that stuff happens and it hits the auto industry, you're going to have less, uh, they're going to have less profit. So the profit margins are going to go down dramatically. Right. Then with all the power booking that's going on in the subprime industry, what's going to happen is the banks are going to start coming down even harder on the on the dealerships and it's going to make it harder for them to make money off the financing aspect. So right. generally, you can mark a rate up about two and a half percent and then you have a handful of banks right now that are just giving you a flat and paying you a one to three percent flat. You know, so the buy rate on the deal is 4.59 or something. I can't mark the rate up. But depending on the, the overall loan balance, they may be paying me a one, two, or three percent on the on the back end. You follow me? Yeah. So the, the rate markups and a lot of things that are happening are just you know, are going away. The industry is changing as a whole, and it's changing very very fast. You know, in, in two thousand prior to two thousand and eight, you had about um, you know four to seven percent markup in a vehicle. Today, you're lucky if you have three percent, and this is the, uh, God's honest truth. If you sell a Patriot, a Jeep G- Patriot at sticker, you lose about $300. When you take mm. into cost overhead, advertising, it costs about $350, $375 just to get a customer in the dealership with advertising and digital marketing and everything.
0: Mm. Wow, man. that's That's good info to know, man. And we're going to continue this conversation for sure. I'm going to have you come back on, Grayson. Uh, wonderful time speaking with you man I'm glad we made it happen couldn't do it yesterday daughter was sick she's getting better now but uh yeah man I'm I'm glad to have you on we're gonna talk some other stuff when I have you back on uh maybe more along the lines of the the, uh, agenda you were talking about and and just you know just this this world in general what where we're headed and 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 how we can uh position ourselves to profit from this 100%,
1: 100%, man. 100%. So, dude. you know, um, for sure, dude. I, I'd love to be back on with you. Uh, we got a few things that obviously we can talk about for
0: sure, man. Absolutely. Again, guys, Grayson Ludo, my man on Twitter. He's following me on Twitter. I think he's also a YouTube subscriber. Thank yeah. you guys again for this kicking a session. Let me know your feedback about Grayson on today. I really enjoyed him. If you want to have him back on, you guys just let me know in the comments below. It's your boy Crypto Blood, and thanks for checking in with this kicking in this session. We out of here. Howl.